tonight I, I have a very limited time and all I want to do is a recap of what we have done for several weeks and you sure know that that cannot be achieved uh, in one service. So I am not going to explain, I'm just going to touch a bit here and there, but then I have a very important point that I want to drive home, which is the subject of prayer and how praying in the spirit ties all of these things together. Because, you know, it's actually our introduction into the gifts of the spirit. It's our door to the supernatural. And so I'm going to really just emphasize on that and expect us all to go home and engage in prayer, in our private lives, in our closets, so that we can begin to tap into the supernatural uh, gifts that God has in store for us. Amen. So that's going to be the summary of what I'm going to do this evening, and then I'll let us go. You know, we can talk about the subject of prayer. The devil doesn't mind us talking about it in as much as we won't pray. Doesn't mind you doing a whole series on prayer, but just don't pray. Because when you begin to pray, that's when he begins to have problems. Because our prayer is so potent in the realm of the spirit. The Bible says something about your prayer. And this is why the devil tries to discourage you from praying. Go to James chapter 5, before I go to my text tonight. James chapter 5, and I'd like you to look at verse 16. The book of James, chapter 5. In fact, let's look at verse 14, first of all, before we go to verse 16. We take verse 14, 15, and 16. It says, is any sick among you? There are many people that are sick in the world today, even in the body of Christ. There are sick people. Is any sick among you? He said, let him call. Okay, no, let's take it from, let me take it from verse 13. Let's back up by one verse. Is any among you afflicted? Do you have trouble? Is there any affliction? And you know, we live in a very troubled world. There is trouble everywhere right now. Political trouble, financial trouble, academic trouble. Is any afflicted? Is any? The Holy Ghost was asking that question through the apostle. Is any among you afflicted? Now, what is the solution to affliction? He didn't say let him get on social media and spread his affliction on social media. Because this is what people try to do. Try and get, gather pity party. Gather, you know, pity from friends and everybody. No. Is any among you afflicted? Let him sit down and cry. No, he didn't say you should cry. He says there's a way out of affliction. Affliction comes to all of us, whether you like it or not. In fact, so I'm going to come back here. Let's go to Psalm 34. And I'm going to come back to James 5. The book of Psalms, chapter 34. And we look at verses 17 to 19. In verse 17, it says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth. And delivereth them out of all their troubles. The cry here is the cry of prayer, not just shedding tears. Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. How come? Well, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Because there is the Satan that is the God of this world who hates us. He hates God, and by extension hates us. So we have a lot of afflictions because, you see, this world system is configured against us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. So if you're in affliction tonight, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up hope like, well, it's all over. It's not over. No matter the affliction, whether in your body, whether in your finances, whether in your academics, whether in your business, whether in your career, whatever you do, the Bible says the Lord delivers him out of them all, and so he's going to deliver you out of all of them. Can I have an amen to that? Not out of the big ones and then they will leave the small ones out. No, there is no small affliction or big affliction. Affliction is affliction and God delivers him out of them all. But how does he get the job done? James gave us an insight. So let's go back to James chapter 5. And we look at verse 13. James 5 and we look at verse 13. It says, is any among you afflicted? Oh yeah, many are the afflictions of the righteous. 
are not few, there are many. But what should the afflicted do? He said, let him pray. Let him pray. This is what to do. You pray. Are you afflicted? Pray. Is there any merry? Let him sing songs. Are you happy? Sing songs. Not secular songs. Songs. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And when they come, what should they do? Let them pray over him. Can you see pray again? Come on. Talk to me. Can you see pray again? In verse 13. Is any afflicted? Let him pray. In verse 14. Is any sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And when the elders of the church come, they shouldn't form a pity party. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let them pray over him. Let the church pray. If anybody is sick in our church, let us pray. Why do we pray? Because prayer, especially praying in the spirit, is the gateway to the supernatural. So the gifts of healings can flow through any that carries that gift. The gift of special faith can be in operation. The working of miracles can be in operation. Whatever that person needs at that time. Through the instrumentality of prayer. If we understood the power of prayer, we would pray some more. You will understand that the Christian life is supposed to be the praying life. Prayer becomes the oxygen that we breathe as Christians. We will get a lot done when we begin to pray. Like I said earlier, the enemy of our soul doesn't mind us talking about prayer. We can organize a whole weekend, Thursday morning, Thursday evening, Friday morning, Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, and all we are talking about is prayer. He doesn't mind us having such meetings, but please don't pray. Because when you begin to pray, you begin to jam the network of the devil. And he doesn't want that to happen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. How? Let him pray. Let him pray. Now, look at this. Let them pray. Now, let them, the elders, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith. Pray, prayer. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. And pray. Every verse from 13 all the way to 16 is talking about pray, prayer, pray, prayer. Confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another. Strengthen one another. That's why you shouldn't be a lone ranger in the house of God. You shouldn't be a troglodyte. You shouldn't be a solitudinarian. You should be, you should be someone that carries the, the spirit of the community. There should be a friend. There should be somebody you talk to in the church. Somebody you can agree with when things happen, when there is stuff. That you should have friends. You should have a community, a backup system, a support system, so to speak. And those are the people that you can confess your faults to. Oh, I made a mistake and really, I'm sorry about it, and I've repented before the Lord that I feel I need the community to pray with me. I need you to pray with me. It might be a sister, it might be a brother. Right? And pray for one another. And when somebody opens up to you, don't become a cordless microphone sharing their secrets with the entire church and with the internet. What you should do, what the Bible says to do is to pray. Oh, my brother, that happened. The devil is a liar. He's not going to win. I'm going to have my brother back. I'm going to have my sister back. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Then, this is where I'm going, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of one righteous person availeth much. Can I have that in the Amplified Classic? Verse 16 of James chapter 5. Now, while they are getting that out, 
Okay. Let me go to verse 17 here in the KJV. Leave, media, just leave verse 16 on the screen. God bless you. But I'm going to read verse 17 in my Bible. It said, Elijah, still talking about prayer. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. Are you with me, church? Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain. One man prayed. One man. Can one man arise in Nigeria and say, okay, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have that institutionalized. We're not. Elijah prayed earnestly. The Bible says that it might not rain. One prayer point. I don't want rain. Lord, seal up the heavens. And it rained not on the earth. One man. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Because of the prayer of one man. Three years and six months of drought. No rain. Verse 18. And he prayed again. What kind of man is this? And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth a fruit. That lends credence to verse 16. The B part of it. That the effectual fervent prayer of one man, one righteous man, avails much. What does that mean, availeth much? Now let's look at it in the Amplified Classic. He said, confess to one another therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued. This is because prayer is meant to be continued. Continued prayer. You can't say, oh, I prayed six hours yesterday. I don't need to pray today. No. You continue. The power of prayer lies in the consistency of prayer. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, just a righteous man, makes tremendous power. Available, dynamic in its working. What does that mean? It can work in any area of your life. Dynamic. You're shooting at this. Your prayer can go to that place, that place, that place, that Take care of this. Take care of that. Take care of so many things that you were not even thinking about. It's dynamic in its working. What's the power of your prayer? You see why you're not praying? Because the devil knows that if you pray, your prayer will touch many areas. Will touch you, will touch your family, will touch your parents, will touch your siblings, will take care of your church, take care of your pastor, to go into your health. You think you're praying about your finances, it's doing something in your health. That's why sometimes we just wake up and discover that certain things have been answered and we're wondering, when did I ask? You did ask when you were praying in the spirit. That's why it's more profitable for you to pray in the spirit. Pray in the understanding. Yes, Paul said I will do that. I will bring the understanding, but I will pray in the spirit also. Why am I talking about prayer tonight? Because it is the gateway to these supernatural gifts, these spiritual gifts, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can't do without it. Jesus didn't do without it. The apostles didn't do without it. Oh, we want the gift. We have to pray. We want them in manifestation. We have to pray. So, quickly, let's go to the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, our main text. Now concerning, from verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, as, even as you were led. Wherefore I give unto you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now say with me, God works in me. God is working in me right now. Amen. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healings. By the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kind of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. 
But all these work at that one and the self same Holy Spirit dividing, distributing to every man severally as he will. Can I have an amen to that? That has been our text for several weeks. The gifts here are nine in number and they've all been enumerated by the Holy Spirit through Paul the Apostle. The nine of them are categorized into three. We call the first, well, not in any particular order. Three of them say something. Three of them do something. Three of them reveal something. Of the three gifts that say something, we call them the utterance gifts or inspiration gifts. They say something. The most important of them is the gift of prophecy, followed by diverse kind of tongues, followed by interpretation of tongues. If you look at the three of them, they say something. Prophecy says something. It prophesies. Thus saith the Lord. And it could be foretelling or foretelling. Telling something before it happens. Foretelling. We have more of that in the old covenant. And in the new, we have more foretelling. Speaking forth the word of God and then seeing it come to pass. Declaring it, decreeing it, prophesying it, and then seeing it come to pass. Now, what is the essence of prophecy? We have that in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. Prophecy is for three things. Um, but he that prophesied speaketh unto men, what for? To edification and exhortation and comfort. What is edification? To build up, to charge the church, to build the church. Just like the word edify is the same word that the uh, Jewish people used to, for the word charging. When they charge their battery, their cell phone batteries. Said, I want to build my battery. I want to build it. I want to charge it. That's the word edification. So when a word of prophecy comes forth, it builds the church. It strengthens the church. We need the, that gift right now more than at any other time. This is a time of uncertainty in our country. A time of uncertainty across the world. People are losing heart. People are afraid. They don't know what next is going to happen. They are so uncertain. We go to bed in the night. We wake up in the morning. We don't know what the government policy is going to be about Naira notes. We don't know what the policy is going to be about fear, about the election. Some are saying, is it going to even hold or not? We, we, are, we want to plan our lives. We don't even know what to do. People are perplexed all over the place. But hey, listen. When we come to the presence of the Lord and the gift of prophecy goes into manifestation, it will build us up and give us strength. And so prophecies to edification. Number two, exhortation. Exhortation means to draw near to God. There are times we stray. There are times we're even tired. You don't want to even go on. Saying, God, where are you in all of this chaos? And when we hear a word of prophecy, it brings, about, it brings us closer to God. Hey, don't look away from God. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. God is working on this, and all he needs you to do is to believe him. And that draws you nearer to God. That's exhortation. It is part of prophecy. It's part of what prophecy is meant to do. And number three, comfort. We need comfort. We all do need it. And you know that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of comfort. Jesus said that in John 14 and John 16. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of comfort. So when you prophesy, you also bring comfort to the church. Can I have an amen to that? Now, that is the most important of the three gifts that say something. The next to prophecy is the, uh, the, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. Jesus said that in Mark 16 from verse 17, and this time shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, blah, 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 etc., etc., etc. Now we have it here also. Diverse means different kinds of tongues. Now, the list there is the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Now, diverse kind of tongues, or different, the gift of tongues, is saying something supernaturally in an unknown language. It could so happen that in a service, like it happened a lot in the Corinthian church, everybody wanted to come up and give a message in tongues. They wanted to give a word, an utterance in tongues. But Paul the apostle said, hey guys, take it easy. If you are going to speak in tongues in the church, diverse kind of tongues, he said, let it be by two or three. But let, you must ensure that there is someone to interpret. Because what of what use is it when you come up here and give an utterance in tongues, you stop the service for that. You can imagine a preacher preaching and somebody gets up because they have a word, they have an utterance. The, the thing comes on them and says, and it goes on for 15 minutes. 
and the preacher is waiting. And after all of that, no interpretation, then he sits down. And that person gets up, Shanda Bahaya! When are we going to go home? Now, Paul said, if you are going to do that in the church, let it be by two or three, and let there be someone to interpret. Otherwise, keep quiet, and let your tongue be between you and God. There must be order in the church. Everything should be done decently and in order. If there is no interpreter, keep your tongue to yourself. <laughs> Amen. There are times that it is the person that speaks in tongues also that will interpret. In fact, he encouraged us that in our private devotion, because tongue, among other things, is a, is a devotional gift. It's something you should enjoy as you fellowship with the Lord. Pray in tongues. Sing in tongues. Worship God in tongues. Fellowship with God in tongues. He said, but when you pray in tongues, pray that you may interpret. Lord, I want to be able to interpret what I'm saying. It is sweet because it gives direction. It might be a business you want to invest in and you don't know whether to invest in it or not. Or maybe when to invest in it. And you say, Lord, I want to take time out to seek your face and seek your counsel concerning this business. Should I do it now or later? And should I do it here in Nigeria or outside of the country? And you take time to separate yourself. Lord, as I begin to pray now, I pray that I may be able to interpret. And it will amaze you that as you pray, 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 pray in the Holy Ghost, God will begin to give you the interpretation and then it will come out of your mouth. It will flow. It's not something premeditated. If it's premeditated now, you know, that's, that's you. If it's the Holy Ghost to come out, amen. So we should take our prayer life to that point. Now, generally, diverse kind of tongues plus interpretation is equal to prophecy. When you make a supernatural utterance in tongues, what is interpretation? Interpretation is not something premeditated, like I said. It's a supernatural interpretation of that which was said in tongues. Now, it could happen that Sister Tosin comes up and gives a message in tongues. And Sister Michaela comes up and says, I have an interpretation to that by the Spirit of God. Thus said the Spirit of the Lord. And what she said in 30 minutes, she held us bound for 30 minutes. She could come up and say that in one minute. And it will be very accurate. It is called interpretation of tongues, not translation of tongues. If it were translation, it means every word would have to be interpreted and that would mean, or translated, and that would mean that she will have to say everything that she said and it will take the same length of time. But it is interpretation of tongues, not translation of tongues. So whatever has taken her 30 minutes, she can come and do it in one minute. And it could be the other way. She could come up and give a word, give an utterance in one minute. And she comes up, said, Thus saith the Lord. This is the interpretation of what was said. I am coming, saith the Lord. I'm coming speedily, and my reward is with me. And I want you to put your house in order. I want you to focus on me. These are very tough times. I understand. But I'm working in the darkness. I'm working. In, in a way that you do not understand. And, and she goes on for another 10, 15 minutes of what was said in one minute. These things are supernatural. Let us not just mess around with them. Okay? We can grow in all of these things as we pray some more in the Holy Spirit and as we desire spiritual gifts. There must be a desire. There must be a hunger. Lord, I have been taught these nine gifts. I just don't want to be taught. I want to operate in them. Now, of course, you are not going to function the nine gifts because the Holy Spirit gives to every man severally as he will. But Lord, I covet earnestly spiritual gifts. I desire the best gift. I, I covet to prophesy, like Paul said, but I desire the best gift. And what is the best gift? The best gift of the Spirit is not interpretation of tongues. Neither is it prophecy. Neither the, the gifts of healings or the gift of special faith, it is the gift you need at that moment. Amen? Can I have an amen to that? Um, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 31. Paul said, 
by the Holy Ghost, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. What is the best gift? The gift for the moment. You are by the bed of a sick person in the hospital. And maybe their condition is terminal, according to the doctors. They can't get any medical help. Do you think word of knowledge might be of help at that time? Even if it's of help, you will need more than word of knowledge. You probably need the working of miracles there. You probably need the gift of special faith to receive their healing. The working of miracles to do something about their situation. And maybe the gifts of healings to perfect the work. So the best gift is the one you need now. If someone comes to you confused, they don't know what to do. They have several options. You probably need a word of wisdom. Because word of wisdom is supernatural. Understanding of what is on the mind of God. Connected to the present, but majorly for the future. This person doesn't know what to do, where to turn. Now, you operate in the word of wisdom by the help of the Holy Spirit to show them the direction. Amen? So the best gift is what you need right now. Amen? The Bible teaches us to be desirous of spiritual gifts. You must desire. It comes from there. That's the start point. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Desire. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy. Why did Paul say prophesy? Because to prophesy is big. To prophesy edifies the church. It builds the church. It blesses the church. If you come up here and you speak in tongues for one hour and you give a message or a teaching in tongues for one hour, the church will not be edified. If I did, one hour, you will not be edified, but I will be. Because he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. I would succeed in building up myself, but it won't be a blessing to you. What's pastor saying? Just speaking in tongues. But hey, pastor is blessed. Can you imagine if I go on for three hours? And you guys are wondering, just looking at me. I'm blessed. At the end of the three hours, something would have happened to my spirit man. I would have been charged up, built up. But what happens to you? Nothing. If I found myself in such a service, I better be praying in the spirit as well. <laughs> I turn into a prayer meeting. <laughs> the man is giving a message in tongues. I will be praying also. So that through that period, I'm not wasting time. I'm also building myself. Amen. And Paul said to covet earnestly the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, which we just looked at now. Speaking with tongues is the door to the supernatural. It is the door unto all the rest of the spiritual gifts. Some people are interested in the other gift of the spirit, but we have to go through the door to get there. Please, this is very important. Go through the door to get there. I'll come back to this door because this is the main thing I want to emphasize tonight. So I've spoken about the three gifts that say something. The three utterance gifts. You remember them? What are they? Number one, prophecy. Number two, Diverse kind of tongues. Number three, interpretation of tongues. Those are the three utterance gifts. Utterance, saying something. Those are the three gifts that say something. Next, we have the three gifts that do something. They are called the power gifts. They do something. And men, these are the days we don't just need to say something, we need to do something. Praise God. We need things to be done. The kingdom of God is not just in word, but in power. The demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And what are these power gifts? One is the gift of faith. The gift of special faith. Number two, working of miracles. That's a gift. That's the name of a gift. Working of miracles. The gift of working of miracles. And number three, the gifts of healings. The three of them are the power gifts. The most important of them is the gift of special faith. This gift does not do a miracle. This gift receives a miracle. It can receive anything from God. It can receive what? Anything from God. It doesn't do, but it receives a miracle. No matter how big that miracle is, when it's not in operation, people can make the decree and believe something. Believe, 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 but they don't receive. But when it's in operation, you can receive anything. The gift, the second one to it is the working of miracles, like the name. 
it works miracles. It's not like the gift of faith that receives, which doesn't work. This one actually works it. When you see people being used of God to grow legs, grow hands, lay hands and eyes pop out, things like that, you are seeing walking of miracles. I think it was Brother A. Allen that had a meeting like that in America. And I heard Brother R.W. Shambach share this of a woman that brought a baby into the church. I've shared this before, one of my sermons. Now, there were about two, three gifts in operation in Brother A. Allen at that meeting. One, there was the word of knowledge, first of all. This was a meeting for like 5,000 people. And he said, I, I see myself now in Tennessee. I see on the highway, I see a woman in a hotel room packing her bags. I, I see you with a child. And the child, the child had about 26 conditions. His eyeballs didn't form. They were just milky stuff. Eyes did not form. His legs were club, club, what they call club feet or club foot. So the two of them making club feet. He was just, I don't know how to describe him. He wasn't complete as a boy. And the doctors had said that he would die before his first birthday. And this boy had made it beyond his first birthday, but he was growing into a vegetable. He was growing into a child of sorrow. Brother A. Allen said, and I see the woman driving down the, the interstate, and, you know, and he was describing the woman up until how she got to the parking lot and how she got into the auditorium, and he said, you are in the auditorium tonight. If that is you, bring your child. The woman ran out. Now, that's word of knowledge, isn't that? Word of knowledge started from the past up until the present. And the woman came up the, the, the podium, and that was her last night. She had almost given up. She had gone to Brother R.W. Shambach to please help talk to Brother A. Allen to mention her case. And Brother, a, Brother R.W. Shambach said, well, he, he does things by the Spirit. And the woman said, look, I've got my last $20 bill. I don't have money to pay for hotel anymore. And there's no gas in my car. But I'm, if, if it calls for the offering tonight, I'm going to sow that seed. I don't have anything else. And just before Brother A. Allen, Brother R.W. Shambach said, okay, I'm going to do all that I can to get him to, to, to mention your son's case. But, you know, there is no guarantee. Before he ministered in that gift that night, he first of all made a call for an offering. He called that offering, I think he called it faith offering. He said, it's something you can't afford, but I want you to give to God tonight. And the woman was the first person that ran down the aisle and threw her last $20 bill into the offering basket. Brother R.W. Shambach, who had been privy to her condition, said he just looked at the woman, saw what she put in the basket, and he ran down the, he ran down the, the, the podium backstage and was crying, God, please remember this woman tonight. Because he knew that was her last money. She had told him after the meeting in the morning. And she went back. Boom, the Holy Spirit. Don't joke with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon Brother A. Allen that night. Gave him, first of all, the gift of the word of knowledge. These are the three gifts that reveal something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirit. The three of them that say something. Gift of prophecy, diverse kind of tongues, interpretation of tongues. The three of them that do something. The gift of special faith, the gift of working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. The three of them that reveal something. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Word of knowledge came upon Brother Allen. And he described the woman and said, you are here tonight. I see you in this auditorium. I see you with your child. Come up here and bring that child. She was crying. She ran down. Brought the child. <laughs> and he prayed over the child. Brother R.W. Shambach said he opened his eyes. You know, when other people are praying, but you are watching. Bible said, watch and pray. He was watching to see what God was going to do. Then the tongue of that boy was hanging loose like this. 
by the power of God, the tongue flapped inside like a rubber band. Snapped inside. The eyes began to form. The milky thing stopped. Proper eyes grew. The boy could speak. The boy could hear. He was deaf. He was dumb. He was blind. He was everything. And I mean, he had 26 major conditions. Right on that platform. The boy ran across. He had never seen his mom before. He was seeing his mom for the first time. And he shouted, Mama! And he ran to the mom. The whole place went agog. 26 miracles. I mean, doctors had tried. They had said no. He had a deformed heart. So he wasn't a proper child. Everything was wrong. His legs were clubbed. You know the kind of legs that curve like this? They call, they call them club foot. Proper legs grew. Look, God is our manufacturer. If we need body parts that need to be changed, he can do that. But to the extent to which we believe him. Are you with me tonight? So it wasn't only the gift of the word of knowledge that happened that night. There was also the working of miracles. And I believe the gift of special faith to even receive the miracle for that boy. I mean, because somebody has one condition, you are still struggling with it. How much more someone that has 26 major, major conditions? God has done these things, guys. And God is not tired of doing them. We live in a hurting world. People around us are hurting. Sometimes we ourselves are hurting. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Without this gift, we are just talking. Let us not become a, a, a religious center or a motivational center. The kingdom of God is not just in talk, but in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. And this year, we are talking about the kingdom come, the power, and the glory. I've spoken to you again tonight. I've mentioned the nine gifts. The last three, the gift of the word of wisdom, which connects the present to the future, revealing the mind of God, like it happened to Ananias when the Lord told him about Paul. He said, mind your business. I'm going to use that guy. God showed him what he was going to do. He said, and I've also shown him the things that he will suffer for my sake. When Saul became Paul, word of wisdom. Now, there is also the word of knowledge, which I've just spoken about. That is connected to the past. When that goes into operation, you can, it can be revealed to you where somebody is coming from in their past, up until their present condition. Now, these gifts don't win souls. They don't do the work of evangelism, but they arrest the attention of people. Imagine you are praying for someone and God begins to show you things about them and you, begin, and you stop the prayer and say, my sister, exactly two weeks ago, you were somewhere, 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 somewhere. I could see you doing so, so, and so, and so. Yes, yes. And somebody was going to attack you. Yes, yes, yes. How did you get to know that? Somebody told me. No, nobody told me. The Holy Spirit. That will arrest their attention. If you now minister Christ to them, their hearts are already opened. Amen? And the last one there is the gift of discerning of spirit. What does it mean to discern? To see. You can see into the spirit of someone. Now, ladies and guys, we need this a lot. You want to do business with someone? You might need this gift to be able to discern the kind of person you want to partner with. Discerning of spirit is seen into the realm of the spirit. In the realm of the spirit, there are good spirits there. But there are also evil spirits there. There are angels. They are good. There are demons. They are bad. So, God can open your eyes to discern. But it is the least, the least, the smallest in the revelation gifts. Nonetheless, it is also important. Because there are times when we need to be able to discern. You might be in a place that is just demon infested. And the Lord wants you to clean up that place. Like Jesus came to the temple in Mark 11 and they were selling doves and exchanging naira and dollar and pounds. Borrowed the change in the house of God. Jesus whipped them, overturned the tables of the money changers, cast them out and didn't allow any man to carry any vessel through the temple. Why? He cleaned up the house because he was going to teach. And what was he going to teach? Thank you. Mark 11. And verse 17, the Bible says, and he taught. Go to verse 16, first of all. Verse 16, first of all. 
and he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. He wouldn't allow them. Don't carry anything through the temple. Then, after cleaning the temple, because now he cleaned up the temple by beating them, stopping their transactions, and casting them out, then he taught. The reason he cleaned the temple was because he wanted to teach. Then what did he teach? He taught, saying unto them, he taught about prayer. Is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations. Of all nations, my house shall be called. Primarily, he said, the house of prayer. The church of God is supposed to be the house of prayer. Among other things that we do, prayer must be primary. In fact, in this church now, we're going to have a change in our schedule of our Thursday meetings. We're going to dedicate a Thursday, whether the first Thursday, the last Thursday of the month, we're still working that, working this out with the leaders. It's going to be dedicated to prayer. That when we come like this, it's supposed to be Bible study. I don't want an extra day, so that's why I'm making it a Thursday. So three Thursdays will be for teaching. One Thursday will be for prayer. We pray, 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 pray from the start to finish. So at least we'd have loved in an hour of prayer. And majorly, we're praying intercessory prayer. So if you're looking for bless me, bread and butter kind of prayer, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> when you take care of God's business, God takes care of your business. And God can take care of your business more than you can. Do you agree with me? Jesus said, my house shall be called of all nations, the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. When a church ceases to be the house of prayer, the Holy Ghost said this to me. He said, it will be a den of thieves. It's going to be a den of Yahoo boys, call girls, all manner of things happening. Things will just be wrong. People will do connect in the church. You know, these days, people go to church for connect. So in that church, there are young people, upwardly mobile, you know, IT guys. This guy. I mean, it's not, a, it's not bad to have relationship, business relationships and all of that in church. But that is not the primary purpose of the church. When that becomes the focus of the church, so people flock there because of connect. We are there for the wrong reasons. The house of God, the house of God, is a place, the house of prayer. When cancer shows up in the midst of the church, your connect will not help. <laughs> I went to pray for a young man in UCH years ago. I was invited by a friend of mine. They said the boy had aneurysm. Aneurysm was a condition in the brain. They said one of the nerves or something burst in his head. Young man, graduate looking for a job. So he was having constant headache. Where did he get this from? The professor they invited. UCH invited the professor to be in charge, like the specialist in charge of his case. He said in his many years of practice, over 40 years of neuro, neuro practice, he said this would be probably about, maybe about the 16th case. That his kind of aneurysm was even rare. So the chances were slim. And they were going to open his head. So the boy was really scared. And the family invited me, so I went there. And I waited on God and gave me a word and I prayed. And we took communion together. And we took the confession. He went in for the surgery. He came out successful. So the glory of God is doing well today. In fact, the family that invited me has migrated to America. To the glory of God. Prayer works. This is why the devil doesn't want you to pray. We must look at Jesus as our perfect example. Now, balance your prayer life with the word. Don't just pray. Balance it with the word because you don't know what to pray unless you get your content from the word. Look at the example of Jesus. I mean, I, I've been reading the book of Luke now and I'm, I'm really, I read, I finished Mark, I moved to Luke and I'm really getting blessed by the prayer life of Jesus. In Mark 135, Praying in the spirit, prayer, is the door to the supernatural. Imagine the nine gifts of the spirit are in this room. The door to open is praying in the spirit. When you open the door and you come in, you begin to flow in the supernatural. 
we must make quality time to pray. Look at Mark 135. The Bible speaks about Jesus. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus prayed. Guys, what was he looking for? He had the anointing without measure, yet he prayed. We have small anointing, yet we don't pray. I want to get things done. Go to Luke. The Gospel of Luke, very quickly. I'll just show you one or two places and then we'll close for tonight. This is where I'm going to stop. I've told you about the gifts. I'm telling you how to flow in them. Luke chapter 5, chapter 5, and verse 16. Verse 16. This was after he had cleansed a leper. Two verses before. He had cleansed the leper. I will be thou clean. The, the guy said, if you will, you can make me clean. He said, I will be thou clean. And he said to the guy, don't tell anybody about it. But then the guy went around, blowing the news and broadcasting to everybody. Now, look at verse 16. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness. Now, sorry, look at verse 15 first. But so much the more, when there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Because every time Jesus was teaching and preaching the word of God, healing was happening at the same time. Are you with me, church? Why was he teaching? Jesus taught primarily. He taught because people were filled with unbelief. The only way to damage unbelief is to teach. Unbelief and ignorance. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You just said that to me. Unbelief and ignorance. People just don't know. Like some people now, before now, you didn't know about the gift of the Spirit. You just used to hear. Now you know. You know there are nine of them. You are aware, at least to a certain level, you can take the study further in your own private life. In Mark 9.23, sorry, not Mark, Matthew, I believe, 9.23, Matthew 4.23, you'll find a common saying there that Jesus went to their synagogues and he was teaching the word of God and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing their infirmities. He always taught. Then he preached. As he was teaching, he was preaching. What is the difference? Teaching is explaining. Preaching is proclaiming. And guess what was happening? Healing. He would do that all day. Then he would withdraw himself all night. And he would pray. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Today's preacher, you do a service, you do a sermon, the sermon goes viral, it has 5,000 views or 500,000 500k views or 1m views on YouTube. Woo! I've arrived. And then you start concocting stuff to say so they can quote you on the internet. No. No. After you've done your assignment for that day, withdraw into the place of prayer. Father, I have come to return all the glory and all the praise, then pray. He withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed. Go to Luke chapter 6 now. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. This is Jesus we are still looking at. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to do what? To chill? <laughs> to hang out? To pray? And what did he do? He continued all night in prayer to God. This was before he chose the 12 disciples. After that all-night prayer, he came down from the mountain, verse 13 actually, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Now, people named themselves apostles. <laughs> but Jesus named this guy after praying all night. He was all night in prayer to God. There are times we should spend time, spend hours. Don't just make your prayer life five minutes every day. You can't do much with that. You can't go too far with that. There is an assignment for your life. You need to fill it with prayer. You need to sustain it with prayer. Look at Acts of the Apostles. We have seen the example of Jesus. Acts chapter 6. This is probably the only one I will show you. And then we stop. Acts chapter 6. When the church was growing, then there was problems. Fighting here and there. They were settling issues, settling quarrel. The apostles called one another. They called the multitude and called people together. And they said, look, let's choose people that will take care of this business for us. 
take care of administration, take care of uh, accounting, take care of this, take care of that. He said, but we will, verse 4, Acts 6, 4, but we will give ourselves continually. Prayer must be continued. I wish I had people in this church that will be praying every day one hour for the church. Just one hour. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for the expression house. Maybe 2 to 3 p.m. every day. Maybe 12 to 1 every day. I mean, 12 noon is the half prayer. 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., or 9 p.m. These are hours of prayer. Hours of prayer. I just want to do one hour every day. Or I just want to do 30 minutes every day consistently. I'm not praying for myself. I'm praying for the expression house. We have a lot that will happen. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We will not just be ministering to the, to the people that need food. Let's appoint people that will give food stuff to them. They will take care of the food pantry of the church. Our business is to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And as a result of that, something happened. There was an exponential growth. Verse 7, and the word of God increased. So the word can increase. God is the God of increase. Praise God. Amen. I said praise God. Amen. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied. God is the God of multiplication. In Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. As a result of their prayer. Look at what happened in Acts chapter 19 and verse 20. In the city of Ephesus. One of my favorite scriptures as a young believer. As I began to grow in the Lord. Acts 19.20. I'll never forget that in my life. I'll never forget that in my life. Acts 19.20. Where are you now? Quickly. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. May the word of God grow in your life. Grow in your heart. As you give yourself continually to prayer and to the study and the meditation on the word. And when that happens, the word will prevail over every situation and over every circumstance. We have been faced with mountains of problems and challenges, and we have been faced with it many, many times. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We read that earlier, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You know what to do? Put pressure on the word of God and put pressure on your prayer life. When situations try to put pressure on you, divert the pressure to the word. Pressure the word. And pressure your prayer life. There are times you don't give sleep to your eyes. See, enlighten my eyes, Lord, so I don't sleep the sleep of death. There are times it's dangerous to sleep. There are times all you need to do is just take some time during the day. Lock yourself up in the toilet. 30 minutes or one hour. Rabadosia, log it in. And log it in every day. At the same time, log it in, log it in every day. Log it in, log it in, log it in. Until you get your desired result. And when you get it, continue. Because you grow. Stand on your feet right now.